Well, praise the Lord. I uh, apologize. I wasn't too um, fellowshipy this morning. I'm still dealing with this sinus thing, starting to cough some. So if I'm standoffish today, that's why I don't want to breathe on anybody. And uh, But I am certainly not as miserable today as I was on Friday. So thank God for improvement. Thank you for your prayers. Well, welcome this morning. Welcome to Zoomers, or those who will be listening online later today and ongoing. We're continuing our series through the book of Proverbs entitled Living Your Best Life. Uh, And I've actually been surprised as I've been reading through Proverbs. I've read through Proverbs a number of times before. Um, But studying it more deeply, the gold that I'm finding in here under the surface uh, right from the get-go, we see that um, uh, the, the core um, foundational principles uh, really make a huge difference in our lives. Uh, the first, of course, speaking of our relationship with the Lord, right? Verse 7 of chapter 1 sets the whole foundation of fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom. That right relationship with God, putting Him in His place, where we revere him, love him, trust him. That's the foundation for all wisdom, for all the best that life has to offer. Amen? So then, um, last week, we saw how people in those key areas of our lives, our besties, our mates, our significant others, uh, those that we look to for advice, should be people of character, should be people whose Uh, standards uh, are are even better than ours, right? Uh, At least as good, if not better than ours, to challenge us to be better people, Uh, people who can encourage us in our faith and not bring us down. Amen? So putting people in those key influence places in our lives to help us. Uh, Today, uh, taking that same passage, we're going to find more wisdom to help us live our best life. Go ahead and turn uh, back to Proverbs chapter 1. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 10. Proverbs 1 verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. In other words, let's make some easy money. Right? How? Well, by taking it away from someone else. Right? Back then, it might be robbing someone along a deserted stretch of road. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan, right? Those kind of things would happen often, or maybe stealing sheep or cattle at night. Today, it could mean carjacking, bank robbing, uh, robbing a jewelry store, that kind of thing, kidnapping. Often, these kind of things involve complex plans that involve a lot of people working together, don't they? So, hey, throw in your lot among us. We'll have one purse. We'll, We'll all split the take kind of thing, right? Now, this seems... You know, on the this is pretty obvious, isn't it? Don't do this, right? Don't don't get involved in an evil plan to take money away from someone else. Kind of, kind of, you know, that's. I, I don't think any of us 
really go along with that, right? Okay. Um, but if we look below the surface here, I think we find some bigger life principles like Solomon, um, uh, or that Solomon, like a wise father, is trying to get us to seriously ponder. Principles, I think, with a whole lot of application for our lives. I'm going to entitle the message this morning, Three Important Questions. Three important questions. The first principle strikes really at the core of our being, and the question here is this. What is it that governs our actions? What is it that governs our actions? Is it primal human emotion like greed, envy, pride, jealousy, or desire? Or is there higher reasoning and moral judgment involved? Think about us as human beings versus animals. Isn't that what sets us or is supposed to set us apart from all other creatures? We have that higher reasoning. We have that moral standard, right? There's something in us, a sense of right and wrong, right? Notice with these sinners here um, who had already agreed to be a part of the scheme, what do you see is the strongest motivational factor in their lives? Me, isn't it? What I want. A force that is blinding them to that higher reasoning and moral standard. Why, why, why would you go along with a plan like that? I mean, they're, they're, they're actually you know, going to kill somebody and dispose of the body here. Why would somebody decide to do that? Because me, what I want, the, the, the thought of this purse, this, all this money or whatever, blinds me to that higher reasoning, blinds me to a sense of a moral standard in my life. We see this very on in childhood, don't we? Mine, right? Right from, right from the get-go, right? We see that. And if that is not corralled, right, while kids are small, they turn into these kind of people, or politicians. Um, but anyway, um, you may recall way back in Genesis how Cain, driven by jealousy and insecurity, right, was already plotting his brother's demise when God warned him, right? Rather than seeking the Lord or the counsel of his now humbled parents who had sinned, Right? All he could think about was his own rejection versus the approval of his brother. Right? He was blinded by that jealousy. And what did God say to him? Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. The Lord says to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. The Lord even gives him an opportunity to succeed, doesn't he? He gives him a way out of what is going on in his mind and in his heart. But Cain doesn't take that, unfortunately, right? He wouldn't have it. Sin, that selfish pride that stands in sharp opposition to the nature of God, was crouching at the door, desiring to rule over him. But God says, you must master it. 
Now, as I read the Bible all the way through, I understand, we understand that fallen man, you know, we're all affected by sin. We cannot overcome sin by ourselves and our human strength, can we? So we see that particularly in Romans chapter 7 where, where Paul the Pharisee says, just can't do it. Um, but God provides the power, doesn't he? As we come humbly to him. And seemingly the Lord stood ready to do that for Cain if Cain would have opened his heart, but he didn't. For us in Christ, what does the Bible say? The Bible says, in him, in Jesus, was life, and that life is the light of men. Love that. Our power to turn from sin and to submit ourselves to the will of God comes from the Spirit of Christ within us. But the question remains for us because, you know, we don't have to submit to that power. We don't have to seek that power. We don't have to choose that power, do we? We have a choice in every specific instance in our lives, don't we? God never takes away our free will. He puts his spirit in us. He allows us to be still and know that he is God and rely on him and trust in him, but he never takes away our choice, does he? So you and I have situations all day long to be ruled either as Romans 8 really kind of um, sums it up to be ruled by the flesh or by the spirit right look at it again verse 10 my son if sinners entice you do not consent if they say come with us let's lie await in wait for blood let's ambush the innocent without reason the second principle asks this question. How will you and I get the things that we want? How will we bring about the situations that we want? What is our whole approach to earthly gain, whether that's money, position, power, popularity? Hmm. What is the means of gain in our text? Right? Taking it away from someone else, right? In this case, by force. Not something, again, that you and I go around doing. But if you think about it, gaining from someone else's misfortune can be done in a lot of ways, can't it? A whole lot of ways. Stealing someone's idea and profiting from it. Selling someone a bag of goods, right? As the saying goes. Hiding important details in the fine print. How many people through the years have been deceived by that? Have you ever heard those car commercials? I like those. Uh, they, they, they give you this deal and everything, and it sounds so amazing, and then they give you this disclaimer at the end. I, I found this on YouTube. Um, there's a voice, voiceover guy named Jamie Buck. If you can uh, hit that one, Alex, it should say voiceover. We have the... Uh, Right? Do it again. Limited time offer. No purchase necessary. Offer valid at participating locations. Void where prohibited. No animals were harmed during the production of this soundboard. Subject to change without notice. Side effects include dry mouth, occasional pig snort or two, sore stomach, teary eyes, achy jaws, and whatever tingles while laughing hard. Right? Amazing that someone can even talk that fast. Um, there's a guy in the Guinness Book of World Records that holds that. But 
Anyway, right? The fine print. We don't know it's, what it's actually saying. Here are all the terms that once you get there and sign on the dotted line, then you, oh, well, look at this. I didn't realize this, right? How about uh, starting or capitalizing on a rumor? Ever get caught in that? Lying, cheating, brown-nosing, tearing someone else down, or just plain being stubborn and demanding. Do you see where we're going here? It's all the same, right? It's my personal gain at someone else's expense without care about them or their situation because my wealth, my personal gain, my position, my status, getting my way is what is important. It's all about me. Controlled by the flesh, right? But the outworking of that is a philosophy on life. When it all boils down to it, when it all comes down to it, I look after number one. Right? I will step on whoever I need to, whenever I need to, however I need to, to get what I want. And there are people who live by that philosophy, aren't there? Now, we're going to see down the road in the book of Proverbs, it's going to lay down several God-ordained financial principles about wealth. Things like hard work, frugality, growing little by little, saving, tithing. Okay, so I'm not going to get into that uh, here this morning. Um, but again, uh, we are human beings, aren't we? And we can be swayed, as John points out, by the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and our human pride, right? We can be swayed by the, they'll say, we, we can be tempted daily, can't we? Absolutely. So it's important to develop a right philosophy on life when it comes to personal gain. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31, he says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's a life philosophy of trusting the Lord to provide what we need and treating others with respect, kindness, and compassion. If we determine to live this way, if this is our philosophy in life, then we're going to avoid the problems of the other, aren't we? Avoid those temptations and pitfalls, not to mention just being a better person. Right? The third and final principle is seen in the other two, and actually if you get this one, you'll, you'll get all three, because they're all contained in this last one. Um, and the question is this, who is my fellow man? Who is my fellow man? A means to get what I want, or someone to love as I love myself? Good question. Good question. 
This takes the second principle a step further, not only not benefiting from someone else's loss, but using what I have to bless others around me when I can. Right? This is the principle of love. The royal law, as James called it. Jesus called it the second greatest commandment, right? First one, love the Lord with all your heart. Second one, love your neighbor as yourself. Another philosophy of life, that if we truly will do this, we'll get the best out of life, won't we? And avoid these problems and pitfalls that are often self-made. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says this, So we have come to know and believe the love of, that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. See, love is the character and nature of God, isn't it? Genesis says that we were created in his image. What does that mean? It means we were created to love. Why, why did God say, look down at Adam by himself and say, it's not good for man to be alone? Adam didn't have anyone to love. Right? He couldn't be like God. He needed someone to love. What is the root of all sin? Violating our purpose. Think about it. Acting for self and not in love. Name any sin you can think of. It's selfish, isn't it? The word sin, S-I-N. What's the middle of all sin? I. Right? What did Jesus do? His whole life, his whole earthly life, he modeled love, didn't he? To the ultimate when he gave his life for us on the cross. And think about that, not for himself, right? God is complete in himself. He needs nothing and no one, right? He always has been, always will be. He needs nothing. Jesus gave the ultimate price for us so that we could be reconciled to God and inherit all that God is and all that God has. Jesus wasn't thinking of himself. He gave it all for us. Let's remember, too, Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, Matthew 4, right? Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world if he would what? Just bow down and worship him. Say, how could Satan do that? Well, you may recall back in Genesis that by lying, Satan cheated Adam and Eve out of their place as ruler over the earth, right? Cheated them out of, even Jesus himself confirmed that when he called Satan the God, small g, of this world. So think about it. Here was Jesus who took on human form, offered everything a human being could ever want. Everything. Right? And Jesus turned it down. Why? Love. Love for us. He chose to give all, his all he had, his very life, to bless others and not to use others to bless himself. Right? The law of love. 
The Bible says that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Really, it's the love of personal gain over the love of people, isn't it? When you think about it. Think of so many things that we don't like about this world that we live in. Burglary, extortion, drug dealing, the porn industry, abortion, human trafficking, children working in sweatshops, dirty politics, scammers that take advantage of the elderly. What do all these things have in common? People enriching themselves at the expense of other people, right? It's a prideful, cold, and heartless approach to life. And here is Solomon as a wise father saying, don't do it. That, that common purse, that, that, that promise of wealth, it looks so good. That promise of personal gain looks so good. And all you got to do is step on someone else to get it. It's easy, right? Easy to do. But don't do it. And here's why, he says. Look at verse 17. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. As if to say, you know the saying, it's a waste of time to spread a net while the bird's watching you? Apparently it was a saying at the time. Makes sense, right? Well, he says, uh, what, what people who gain at the expense of others don't realize is that what they're really doing is setting a trap for themselves. As if to say this, you know that saying. He says, what people who do this go after unjust gain don't realize. They don't get it. They are going to lose their own lives. Look at verse 19. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. One way or another, a philosophy of life of taking from others to enrich ourselves is going to take away our lives. What comes to mind? Here's a a great illustration. What comes to mind when I mention the name Ebenezer Scrooge? Right? He had a lot of money. He could buy himself anything. What was his life like? He was a miserable old lonely man, wasn't he? He didn't have a life. He had money, right? He had a lot of people that were bitter against him, right? He had maybe some memories of a childhood, but those were all gone. He had no life. He charged interest, exorbitant, didn't care how it hurt other people, and it stole his life away until he had a, an epiphany, right? What a great story. People who are governed by the flesh, people who profit by others' misfortune and live for themselves, lose their lives in at least four ways. At least four ways. Number one, they will never experience anything more than a shallow relationship. Think about it. Right? They will never know the blessing of truly loving 
or truly being loved. That's sad. That is very sad. They will have a lonely existence, like our friend Scrooge. Number two, they will never experience the satisfaction of truly accomplishing something for themselves and doing it the right way. Right? They may harden themselves to a sense of guilt, but it's always there. Right? But when you do something great for somebody else, right? They'll, they'll never know that. They'll, they'll never know. You know, it, it's like how, how many people when, um, and, and we've kind of lost this in, in our society. Talked about this before. My dad used to say back in the 50s, when your house needed to be painted, you just kind of spread the word through the neighborhood. And on Saturday, all the guys came with paintbrushes, all the ladies came with a potluck, and they painted your house in a day. Now it's like, no, I've, I've, I've arrived in life, so I can hire this to be done, right? We lose a sense of community. And, and how many of us, really, in the church, even to this day, oh, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to bother anybody. Right? How many have heard the phrase, don't rob someone else of their blessing? Don't rob someone else of their blessing. You know what it, you know what it is on the other side to see a need and to reach out and meet that need and how that feels and how God ultimately blesses us when we do that, right? That's, that's how the church functions. We take care of each other. Right? When, when someone's in need, we're there. But if we never say anything, right? We rob other people of that blessing that we've experienced. So they will never understand that satisfaction, that blessing. Three, they will most likely at some point face the consequences of their actions. Perhaps even go into jail. When, when unjust gain becomes the goal, right? And number four, finally, if not in this life, they will certainly face the judgment of God. Right? So again, our three important questions this morning. What will we allow to govern our lives, our decisions? Spirit or the flesh? Greed, envy, jealousy, my way, or that higher reasoning, that moral standard, that direction from God? What are we going to choose? Two, how will we better ourselves in things like wealth, position, etc.? The good old-fashioned hard work way, right? Trusting in the Lord to provide, or by stepping on others to get what we want. And three, who are my fellow human beings? People to bless with what the Lord has given to me or people to use to get what I want? You see where we're going. Three important questions. And Solomon would say here, my son or my daughter, the answer to these three questions is going to determine whether you live your best life and finish well or if you end up a misery lonely person like Ebenezer Scrooge. Amen? So again, let's choose wisely. As we face these decisions in life, we all have things that we want. We all have things that we want to see happen. 
right? We all have ideas of how we want things done. How are we going to get those things? Let's determine before anything else to love people and watch God pour in to our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this wisdom that you've given us. We thank you for your promise to provide. We thank you, Lord, for the, your ways are often the opposite of this world. This world says, look out for number one. Your way says, look out for others and I'll take care of you. Help us, Lord, to not let the world squeeze us into its mold, but to break out, to break free into the blessings of God. Help us to follow your wisdom, Lord, in our life, in principle and in everyday choices. We praise you for that, Lord. Give you thanks. In Christ we pray. Let's sing this together. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, and with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Amen.